Good evening. It's good to have you with us tonight. My name is John McRae. I'm the pastor here at Kings Avenue Baptist Church, and uh, I just want to welcome you to one of my favorite services in the year. Uh, I think Chris is excited for the end because that means he can go home and have some Christmas cookies, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the candlelight. But um, no, we're very excited. You know, for me as a child growing up and even now as an adult and pastor, you know, this time is so special because it's so easy to get caught up in just the hustle and bustle and everything that you're trying to do and everything that you're doing in preparation for uh, tomorrow and whatever your families might be doing. But it's important to take time to carve out and remember why we celebrate. What I love about it is how many families are in the room coming together and celebrating the birth of Christ. And to me, you know, it's great to be all of us together as a family and to have the opportunity to celebrate and worship God because he sent his son into the world. You know, 700 years before Jesus was born, there were prophecies about him. Honestly, even going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the, the, the Bible is just complete with scripture prophesying and foretelling foreshadowing the birth of Christ. I want to share a few of those prophecies with you because they, they help us to understand a little bit about Jesus' character and his purpose in coming into this world. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You see, Mary was going to conceive of a child and she was a virgin, meaning that, you know, this, this offspring of hers would be the son of God and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Isaiah 9, it says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In verse 7, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We see in verse 6 the characteristics of Christ, that he would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. But what I love about this prophecy is what it says here in verse 7, that it is the zeal of the Lord that will accomplish this. You see, God zealously loves his people. And that zeal is what caused him to have his son to come to this earth to die on the cross. It's it's that zeal that, that Jesus said, I will go and I will die so that their sins could be washed away. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice and shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Verse 10, it says, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. And finally in verse 11, it says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You see this verse, it talks about Christ as the shepherd. And Jesus even said that if you, if you think about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and 99 of them were safe in the pen and one was lost, the good shepherd goes out after the one lost sheep. What that tells me is that about Christ being the consummate good shepherd, the good shepherd, 
is that if I was the only person, the only human out of the billions upon billions of people that have ever lived, if I was the only one that was lost, Jesus would have gone out into this world for me. If you were the only one that was lost, he would have come out of heaven into this earth for you, for me. That is the kind of love. That's why it says that God's zeal, he zealously loves his children. You know, the prophets were not the only ones that were foretelling. The angels actually proclaimed messages about Jesus' birth. And I want to share some of those with you. Uh, one that angel Gabriel came to Mary, and we see this in, uh, in Luke chapter 1. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, to Gabriel, angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Can you imagine this young girl, an angel just appearing to her out of nowhere? There's no expectation of this to happen. And he tells her, you, Mary, are highly favored of God. So highly favored, in fact, that he has chosen you to be the mother of his son. And that the Holy Spirit would overshadow you and that, and that he would... He would Come forth and you would give birth to the Son of God. When it says that he is the Son of the Most High, what it tells us is those things that we know about God, they are true about Jesus. That he is holy, that he is perfect, that he loves us, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing. See, these things about him are what we know, that he is, that Christ would be imbued with God's Spirit and his power. When he said that he would sit on the throne of his father David, what he's confirming for Mary is that this, this child that she would give birth to was the fulfillment of prophecy. You see, while King David was king, God promised him that he would have someone in his line ruling forever, and Jesus would be the one to fulfill that. But lastly, the angel tells Mary that this baby's name would be Jesus, confirming his purpose. Confirming that he would be the Messiah. Confirming that he would come to forgive the sins of all of the people. You know, when we think about Christmas, we often think about this baby in a manger. But we must consider Christmas with forethought towards Easter. We must understand that this baby in a manger came not just to stay in the manger, but to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for each and every one of us so that we must all, we may all be forgiven. You see, he is the king of kings that zealously loved us so much that he stepped out of heaven that we could be forgiven. This gives us a reason 
to sing hallelujah. Now after the angel went to Mary and she shared this message that she was pregnant before she was married to Joseph and that this child was the son of God, Joseph had a decision to make. And the angel went to Joseph to make sure that he didn't make the wrong decision. In Matthew chapter 1, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I cannot imagine, just as much as this, this message to Mary, but as a father, I have, I have four children. I have a 14-year-old son, an 8-year-old daughter, and two, almost 2-year-old baby girls. I guess they're not babies anymore. But uh, anyways, I can't, I can't tell you how many times my little twins fall down during the day. You know, like we're, we're just at the house today and McKenna, one of the girls, um, she was in a chair and she just fell out of the chair because she's 21 months old, right? And she was totally fine. She just landed. But can you imagine Joseph like walking around, like making sure, I mean, he's, he's in charge of the son of God, you know, making sure that this baby doesn't fall down. And Joseph's a carpenter, right? I mean, he's got sharp tools. I mean, but this responsibility that was placed upon him and yet There's confidence to know because the angel told Mary, and I'm sure Joseph understood, that no word from God will ever fail. And so this message that the angel delivers to Joseph, he says, you will call this baby Jesus. And he says, it's because this baby will come and save the people from their sins. You see, Jesus is the embodiment of grace. He is literally the manifestation of God's purpose on earth. The prophet Isaiah says that he was slain from the foundation of the world, which means that before God even said, let there be light, it was decided that Jesus would come. It was decided that he would be born in this way. It was decided that he would live to die so that we might be forgiven. And his name being Jesus and that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, that the very God who spoke us into existence has come to be with us. That we now have the opportunity to be in connection and relationship with him because he sent his son into the world to remove the barrier that had existed between us before. You see, Jesus bore the punishment for our sin, which separates us from God. And it was his purpose to do that before God ever said, let there be light. We have reason to, to celebrate. We have reason to rejoice. But all of this, what, this, what all of this demonstrates to me 
is that God is not some distant cosmic being. Rather, he is personal. He knows you completely. And despite everything that he knows about you, he loves you completely. You know, I'm sure that just like me, there are things in my life that I wouldn't want everyone to know about. I, I have sin. I, you have sin. There, none of us would want all of those things, you know, projected here on this screen. Yet God knows all of them, and in all of that knowledge, loves us completely. So much so that he sent Jesus into the world. We can celebrate. We can, we can worship God because of this great love. Now, after Jesus' birth... On the night of Jesus' birth, the angels appear to the shepherds. And we pick the story up in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good, no- good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. When I think about this story of Jesus' birth, this is one of the points that, to me, stands out the most. That the angels chose to go to shepherds. They didn't go to the rich. They didn't go to the powerful, the wealthy, the politicians, the influential people in the city. They went to, to people that were literally on the outside of the city, the poor, even outcasts. And they go to them and they deliver this message that brings, they said, we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That good news, it literally encompasses the full story of the complete gospel of Jesus. You see, they tell them that a savior has been born and that they would identify him as a baby being wrapped in in, in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And that great joy is not just a reason to make us happy, but it's a reason to rejoice and and a reason to live in, in in a state of celebration and worship to God for what he has done. But most importantly, the, the, mess, the message that the angels bring is that this is for all people. For every single one of us that are here tonight, for every single person that has ever lived on this earth, every person that you work with, every person in your family, every person in your neighborhood, every person that you know, this story of Jesus is for all people. And we celebrate that he came and we must respond like the shepherds did. When we hear about this baby, when we hear about who Jesus is, we go and we seek him out. And it goes on and it says that when they found him and they saw that what the angel said was true, they went into all the town and they told everyone what they had seen. You know, not only did the angels appear to the shepherds and and Mary and Joseph, but there was a message that was delivered to some wise men. And these magi had come to worship Jesus, and we see this in Matthew chapter 2. It says, After they had heard the king talking about Herod, they had went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the 
On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it says that when King Herod heard this, sorry, in verse 3 there, I apologize. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had heard, when he had called all, when he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I apologize, my notes on my iPad had been deleted a little bit, so I was starting later on. But the Magi came to worship Christ. They came to worship the one who had been born king of the Jews, and they demonstrated that worship by bringing him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, he was born king of the Jews, and etiquette demanded that when a king received a gift, he would give a greater gift in return. And Jesus, he gives the greatest gift of all by giving his life for each and every one of us. After they worshipped him, the Magi were warned in a dream to go home in a different way. This past Sunday, we actually spent some time studying this particular passage. And what we learned is that, that, that God is giving us the message. That when we have an encounter with Christ, when we have an encounter with the Savior, we must go home different than when we came. That transformation is the natural and expected result of the gospel. That when we meet Jesus, when we see him, we have to go home different. But we all, must do one, we all must do one thing. We have to acknowledge that we need to change. You see, the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the sum total of all of our good deeds, if you were at the end of your life to add up every good thing that you have ever done, the Bible says it means nothing more than filthy rags. And that we need Jesus to come to this earth to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be made right with God. You know, many of you, you know, tomorrow or even tonight, you'll be celebrating, you know, and, be, and giving gifts to your family. But Jesus is the greatest gift that, have, that has ever been given. And just like a Christmas gift, when you get it, I mean, my children tomorrow, they would not like it if I gave them a gift and I said, you can't open it. In fact, you're just going to leave it on the counter and, and you have to just look at it. My my children would want to receive that gift. They would want to unwrap that gift. They would want to to use that gift, right? Well, see, Jesus being the greatest gift, we we have to take it to ourselves. We have to receive it. We have to do something with that gift. We must accept him into our life. You see, the, the wages of sin, the punishment of sin, if we choose not to receive this gift... The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, and that's not just a physical death, but an eternal, spiritual, 
separation from God in hell. Hell is real. But so is heaven. So is God. God came through Christ so that each of us could spend eternity with him in heaven. The Bible says in many places that it's not God's will for anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we all have the opportunity to do that tonight. There's no better time than right now to acknowledge your receipt, your acceptance of the greatest gift that has ever been given. It's God's desire to call you his child. It's God's desire to change you, to transform you, to take your burdens, to take your sin, to take your pain, and to give you hope and life and love. If you've never received the gift of salvation, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I invite you to pray with me. Or maybe you have received that gift, but maybe you're not living the way that you need to, and you know that. I invite you to pray and rededicate your life to God tonight. Would you pray with me? Father, God, forgive me. I know that I have sinned. I know that I have done things that don't please you. I have regret. I have shame. God, I give those things to you now. Forgive me of those things. Take those things away from me. Take them out of my life. Come into my life. I dedicate my life to you. Become my savior. Change me. Teach me what it means to follow you. Show me what it means to be your child. Help me to be the person that you would want me to be every single day. I thank you for Jesus and that he came to this earth, that he was born, he was laid in a manger, that he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for my sins, and that he rose again on the third day. I surrender my life to you, God, and I ask you to to just help me to follow after you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, remember when we talked about the angels and they were speaking to the shepherds? And as they're telling the story, a heavenly host of angels appear. And they just begin praising God and celebrating because the gospel had been delivered. Well, if you prayed that prayer tonight, a similar party is happening in heaven right now. The angels are celebrating. They are giving glory to God because you have received the gift of the gospel. I believe we're going to sing some hymns. Are we going to stand and sing together? If you would stand, we're going to sing some hymns, and then we will uh, sing Silent Night at the end.
Okay. So now we are going to be singing a silent night. So uh, I'm going to light the candle. So as we light candles, the lights are going to go off. We're going to sing silent night. A couple things as you light your candles. If you can, if you have your candle lit already, just let the person next to you reach over and get their candle lit rather than you turning your lit candle over and wax uh, spilling everywhere. But we will uh, we'll come along. A few of us will kind of come down the aisles to help as well and get uh, folks on the end of the aisle uh, their candles lit. And uh, we'll go ahead and sing Silent Night.
You guys can blow your candles out. Just want to take a moment. My uh, my other children are coming. This is my wife, Melanie. This is McKenna. She's okay, as you can tell. This is Madeline, Samuel, and Marla. We just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and uh, pray that you know God blesses you at this time of the year and into next year. Uh, for those of you that have been praying for my grandfather, I just really appreciate. That is really a demonstration of God's healing power and the, the miracle that God has done in, in his life. And we thank you for your support. Uh, I was actually talking with Ed Huckey's daughter, and she was sharing just the, the miracles that have happened in his own life and his son-in-law's. Uh, received, you know, Ed had a kidney transplant. Uh, his son-in-law had a double lung transplant. So listen, God is in the healing business, okay? I've seen it happen just in this week with my grandfather. And I want you to know that God loves you. My family wants you to know that God loves you and wish you a Merry Christmas. My dad is going to close us in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time you've given us tonight to look back and reflect on a little child that was born in Bethlehem, a little light that came into the world. Just take away the darkness. To be that light that touches our lives. To die for our sins. To redeem us. Who rose again as a guarantee of his saving power. I pray tonight that as we leave here, we'll remember that gift you give us. And that will carry that gift to the world and touch lives, not only in our families, not only in our co-workers and friends, but in all the world. And we just thank you for it, dear God. We thank you for the joy that you have brought into this world and the hope of our Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.